prosecution outlined how accounting practices what fuck? What? did not What kind of likeness is that? If they were great artists, they'd be in a museum. I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists now. Just about that time for another episode of Gutter Boys. Gutter Boys is a small press comics podcast about the ins, the outs, the highs, and the very deep, endless lows of making comics. On this episode, episode 71, we're joined with Chicago-based cartoonist Mike Centeno, hot off the heels from uh, the recent Hawking Hills cartoonist retreat, the winter edition, as well as uh, his most recent book, Futile, issue number eight. Uh, as you listeners already know, we listed it as uh, one of the best books of 2021. I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure the next book will be on uh, that year's, uh, you know, top ten list as well. Uh, Mike's a great guy, an amazing cartoonist. It's really cool to finally have him on the show. We don't have a whole lot of news to cover. There wasn't really much popping off with comics. There is some residual comics news. I mean, Disney does technically own Marvel. Yeah. But uh, Marvel had recently released a press statement after uh, many, many people started protesting Disney for their actions concerning Florida's don't say gay bill. Uh, If you don't know, uh, Disney has donated to every single sponsor and co-sponsor of the don't say gay bill in the state of Florida. And you're probably wondering, why is that? I thought they loved gay people. Uh, They love gay people's money, Uh, but in in reality, (laughs) uh, they need the support of uh, Florida politicians because that pretty much affects their bottom line in the state of Florida when it comes to their wonderful line of theme parks uh, that uh, grown adults simp over for some reason. I don't Mm -hmm. don't really understand that, but... Did you hear about the new communities they're putting in? Yeah, pretty grim. Folks, if you're a a Disney fanatic, you can now, like, live on the property in, like, houses that are designed to, like... From what I was reading, they're just, like, suburban neighborhoods that are uh, just close to the park and you have park access, but apparently, like, the little tiles and shit in the neighborhoods, like, are, like, all supposed to make up mouses and shit, which is fucking wild. Like, why anybody would want to look at that all day is crazy to me. I, didn't they already do this too? Like, didn't they create oh, they did? their own Disney-fied suburb about like 25, 30 years ago? I don't know. We got to get Audra on for the Disney tell-all. Oh, uh, okay, okay. they work there, right? I don't know. I thought they just worked at Chipotle. Oh, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but I thought Audra worked at, uh, yeah, I thought they worked at Disney for some reason. Oh, uh, maybe. But, uh, nah, yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Moving on. But uh, anyway, yeah, in the statement, they say, uh, we understand how important this issue is to our LGBTQ employees and many others. For nearly a century, Disney has been a unifying force that brings people together. 
we are determined that it remains a place where everyone is treated with dignity and respect. The biggest impact we can have in creating a more inclusive world is through the inspiring content we produce, the welcoming culture we create here, and the diverse community organizations we support, including those representing the LGBTQ community. Now keep in mind... Take that statement and keep in mind that they they have donated to every single sponsor and co-sponsor of this bill. Mm-hmm. And, and not even just like within the last five or ten years. This isn't like ancient history. They've done it repeatedly for over a decade. And yet they still think that somehow making quote unquote inspiring content is what will actually do LGBTQ people uh, a favor rather than, oh, I don't know, helping shooting down a horrible bill. Let's definitely like, you know, oppress them with our money, which is like the most important thing in the world. But, you know, it's okay because we'll make a a Pixar rainbow fairy. (laughs) Yeah, we'll make uh, we'll make that little guy in Beauty and the Beast kind of gay. And that's work. <laughs> it's fucking so stupid. It, this is, I, honestly, this is kind of great, though, because it really does hammer the point of this whole idea in corporate media of quote-unquote representation and how, how little that fucking means. Like, yeah. They're, like, really just telling on themselves, showing their cards. 100%. It is fucking meaningless. Mm-hmm. Absolutely meaningless. People like posting on Twitter, like, oh, when I saw, uh, uh, what was, what, name any fucking Marvel character in any of the MCU. Uh, what, I'm trying to, like, is there like a gay character in Marvel? Uh, I think one of the Eternals, maybe. I didn't see the movie. They're space gay? <laughs> what, yeah. What the fuck does no, that No, wasn't mean? there like a, a sex scene? A gay sex scene in Eternals, or am I tripping? I have not seen the Eternals, so you're asking the wrong person. (laughs) Hang on, let me Google how Eternals establishes the MCU's first gay superhero and same-sex couple in a movie. Ah, It's life-saving. All right, yeah. So I'm sure there is some tweet out there in, in the ether, probably more actually, all just saying, oh my God, when I saw these gay Eternal characters, I felt so seen. What are you fucking <laughs> you talking know it, about? Bro. What the fuck are you talking about? They literally just supported the most absurdly homophobic bill that, that's being that passed in the last like 20 years. And this is saying a lot after uh, the Republican Party basically gave up on the whole say no to gay marriage shit. Yeah, it's I mean, I don't even want to say it's crazy because it's not, but it's crazy that they were just like, yeah, we're going to do this, but we're going to empower you through our content. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's like saying the quiet part super loud. <laughs> and it, this was an official statement? Yes. Oh, shit. It was a press release. Yes. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So, all right. Uh, shout out to all the Marvel editors with uh, their pronouns and their bios on Twitter. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Doing Just the work. Really, really taking that L for everyone. I can't wait for LGBTQIA plus uh, cover month oh, next year. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> was that DC or Marvel did that? I think they probably both. Or no, Marvel does Marvel voices. <laughs> Marvel does Marvel voices, but they didn't have that. They they had that issue that was sponsored with. Uh, let me. You know what? Let me look it up because I'm, I'm forgetting if it was Lockheed or a different weapons manufacturing company now. Oh, wasn't it like an advertisement or something? No, no. It was a whole comic. Okay. It was like a co-sponsored, sponsorship-integrated book highlighting a weapons manufacturing company in the United States. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Hell yeah, Oh, you know what? It was not not Lockheed Martin. It was... 
Northrop Grumman, uh, which is a mega billion dollar weapons company and is the fifth largest weapons manufacturer in the world. <laughs> uh, uh, let me, let me, I got to find this issue because it's pretty, it, okay, okay, Marvel. All right, so this was in 2017, though the publishers have not yet issued a statement regarding the disillusion of the company's arrangements to develop a comic book series designed to promote STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math education. Marvel has confirmed to Polygon, uh, the the highest tier of journalism, <laughs> uh, that, that the partnership behind Kotaku, <laughs> uh, that the partnership will not continue. Yesterday, Marvel Comics revealed it had teamed with Northrop Grunman to create a custom comic book series. An announcement that was swiftly met with negative reaction from fans and professionals alike. Uh, in wake of the controversy, the publisher canceled its planned New York Comic Con event promoting the series and issued the following statement. The activation with Northrop Grunman of New York Comic Con was meant to focus on aerospace technology and exploration in a positive way. However, as the spirit of that intent has not come across, we will not be proceeding with this partnership, including this weekend's event programming. Marvel and Northrop Grumman continue to be committed to elevating and introducing STEM to a broad audience. I love in this apology, <laughs> they're saying, well, since you uh, got mad for no reason, we're not going to do it anymore. <laughs> we- <laughs> not we are teaming up with a weapons manufacturing company <laughs> to, to, to basically psyop you. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, I do remember this news happening. Uh, obviously, the podcast was not around when this news broke, but I'd still, it's still one of the funniest fucking things to happen in comics in, a, <laughs> in the last decade, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Disney's out there doing the work, making quality content while supporting a supremely horrible bill in, in the state of Florida, my former home state. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I do know so many grown adults who are, you know, very quote unquote liberal, who are very, you know, pro LGBTQ, but they cannot help themselves when it comes to Disney. They, bro, it's the, the they got to be at the tiki lounge or wherever the for fuck real. They they, they need the there, annual yeah. passes. They need the fast passes. They need to meet uh, some underpaid employee dressed as Mickey Mouse. They need all of those things. I really don't get it either. I don't like, either. And there's so many people that are like this. Yes, yes, there are a lot of people. And it, it, there are even people out there that I actually respect. And then you factor that in, and I'm like, I don't know how to like. Yeah, it really kind of throws you a curveball. It's like finding out that your best friend's a child molester or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cam, you're right. Uh, liking Disney is actually very much the same as raping uh, a small child. No, uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> Just doing a bit, folks. Just doing a bit. Uh, but yeah, no, no. It's uh, So yeah, if, if you are one of those weird fanatics about Disney World or whatever, but you also, I don't know, maybe give a shit about other people. Um, I don't know. Maybe ease, maybe you don't need that annual pass this year. Also, why are you Just going go to, to Universal Disney World? Studios? Why are you going to Disney during COVID? I don't, that's another thing I don't fucking understand. I mean, they got a new Jurassic Park ride at Universal. I don't Universal, give a fuck. I'm not going to a... No, I'm not saying you should go. I'm just saying if you're going to go to a theme park, check out something new. That's true. I mean, uh, what is what what does Universal have now? They have uh, the tram tour, which is always cool. Yeah. Wait, I thought the tram tour was only in Hollywood. Yeah, that's the only one I've been to. Yeah. Oh, Florida doesn't have Florida that. Florida does not have the tram tour because there's yeah, no actual studio thing there. About that state. Yeah. They have. I think the only thing they have that Universal doesn't is the Kong ride. Maybe? Yeah. We'll see when you uh, when you're on the tram tour, you like 
drive through these like studio warehouses that are like set up and like King Kong's like they've got this animatronic Kong that's like its head is the size of like one of the tram carts and there's all, this, all these flames and shit just going off and all these buildings collapsing. It's pretty sick. Mm. See, when I was a kid, my favorite ride at Universal was the King Kong ride where you were on a uh, you're on a tram, but it's like, what do you call those? Uh, not a gondola. The fuck? The thing that's like on a on a cord. Oh, like a ski lift type Yes, deal. yes, thank you. So, yeah, it's like lifted over the ground, and you're on one of those trams, and it, like, uh, King Kong is attacking the city and attacks the trams, but it is a fully realized animatronic thing. Like, it is physically there in your that face. That sounds like what they're doing at the tram tour in Hollywood, but different. Like, but, like, the full animatronic thing being in your face, that's definitely what happens in the Hollywood thing. Yeah, it's like from that's the sick. waist up, it is all yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember being a kid and riding that thing on repeat because it was just so sick. And then they tore it down and now it's like, I think, part of the Fast and the Furious ride. (laughs) God, a Fast and Furious ride? That's awful. Yeah, it's old too at this point. That thing's got to be at least 20 years old. Yeah, uh, Universal Studios, I went, God, I guess like in 2017 and I saw the Harry Potter thing that that shit was like super whack in the sense of like everybody was like, oh, you get to like live in Harry Potter world, bro. It's like a cul-de-sac. That's how big that thing oh, is. Oh, it's small. I thought it was big. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe Florida's bigger, but it's not really a cul-de-sac. It's like a cul-de-sac with like a quarter mile strip attached to it. So like it wasn't really that awesome. I mean, I guess if you were a Harry Potter like freak. I don't uh, give a shit about Harry yeah, Potter. Me either. I read him as like a child because everybody did. At uh, those times, not me. But, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. My ass was reading Goosebumps. I read that too. And then I immediately jumped over into Cormac McCarthy. There was there was no in between. <laughs> there was no fucking in between at all. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. no. In fact, I remember this is probably I don't know why. Actually, I do know why. But this memory is so deeply ingrained in my brain. I was in middle school, and uh, I had been sixth, sixth or seventh grade. So this is right when the Harry Potter books were just coming out, like the first book, or still in print. It hadn't become this like international sensation type of thing. And this girl, I remember, was the first person I'd ever seen with this book. And the reason why this memory sticks is because she was almost across the board Everyone agreed. Like, I don't know about you, but in middle school, kids don't agree on shit, like, at all. Everybody disagrees with one another. They fucking fight and bitch and moan at one another. Hell yeah. Everyone in the school pretty much agreed that she was the dumbest girl at the school. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so when I saw that book on her desk, (laughs) at that moment, it was tainted. I knew... I knew that that book was for dum dums, like, like a very specific kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, fucking 15, 20, 25 years later, it, I mean, it was very yeah, much. Yeah, you're a turf if you like Harry Potter it, now. Yeah, it was, so. it was pretty much on point. Yeah, so. good, good foresight there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So shout out to that poor girl. Uh, yeah. Who was genuinely for genuinely enjoying that book? Who was also uh, not so, unanimously not so the secretly, dumbest girl in school? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not so secretly being dunked on by all of her classmates for being stupid. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so before we get into shout outs, I gotta do what's called an unplug okay this is uh, me airing some grievances here if you ordered a copy of vacation three from me and you haven't gotten it yet 
Uh, they're all in the mail now. By the time you hear this, I'm dropping them off uh, Monday morning. But uh, it took uh, three tries for RA Direct to finally get this uh, book right. The first time I used them, it was great. But yeah, so thank you for your patience. Uh, everybody swears by this place. They got some new printers in, and the first printing, they like warped the paper. I don't know if it's because the ink was wet, but like they tried to be like, oh no, something you did, did that. And I was like, what? Like, how is it that I have, you know, 75 warped books that are all warped the same? Uh, so I went round and round with them for a little bit. And then the second time, the colors were just completely oversaturated from where they changed out, like their inks or something. And then this time, it's just okay. But I know you all have been waiting for a while. So uh, if anybody's got a cheaper alternative than RA Direct, hit me up because I do like the speed. And they did do well for me in the past, but this just really kind of soured them on me. Too long, didn't read. Your books are in the mail. Yeah, uh, you know, we were talking about this off air. I had never had an issue with RA Direct, but I haven't ordered anything from them for probably like four years now. So it sounds like maybe their quality is slipping. Yeah, like, I mean, this last printing that I have, like, and this is just me, like, but if you like look really close at like the title letters, you can see a very, very, very slight pixelation on the edges of them. That's not there in the file. It's not there on the first run. You know, like, so something's up with them. I don't know if they're using different paper. Uh, I mean, this one feels the same, but I don't know. The insides are fine, but yeah, I, I uh, went uh, a couple rounds with them and their customer service, and uh, they tried to, like, blame page warping on me, and I was like, okay. okay. Wait, how were they blaming you for the page warping? They tried to say it was something to do with, like, the temperature in my house and shit. They were like, are you not storing it at a cool temperature? <laughs> and I'm like, are you fucking joking me? Like, I sent them pictures of the stack where everyone had, like, warped pages. Like, That's they were, like, wavy as shit. Funny. You know? It's like, your fault. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, you lost me as a customer. Uh, I'd use Greco out of Michigan. They're okay. Maybe I'll go back to them. I heard... I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but I heard Mixum or Myaxum, M-I-X-A-M, I think, or something like that. I heard they're pretty good. Hmm. Does Sean but, Knickerbocker's um, uh, place that he works at, do they do comic printing? Well, I like being able to make like 75 to 300. Oh, and they do only large runs, right? Yeah, okay. I think they do large runs. Okay. So it's, it's I guess, what do they call that? Print on demand when you can do small run, but yeah, it's not yeah. the print on demand like that. You'd get from Amazon. Have you asked him what the minimum is? No, no, I haven't. Okay. I'd be interested to know what their minimum is because usually it's like usually a thousand or, right, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, that does it for our news slash uh, grievances (laughs) segment (laughs) of the show. Now, let's get into shout outs. We got a bunch that we need to cover. All right. So, first on the bracket, we have from... At Hopeless Comics on Instagram, that's X Comics with an X, not an CS. That's how the cool kids spell it. They sent over two issues of Nugget, which looks really, really fun. I do like this sort of children's illustration book stuff. Uh, that's not meant to be a knockdown. This is like, it re- genuinely reminds me of uh, the books I used to read when I was a kid. Yeah, and they've got two really great covers. He sent over the first two issues. Uh, it's a dude named uh, Tony De Pasquale. Uh, they're from Illinois. Like JB said, they're at Hopeless Comics. They did send a note with this, and it says, Your guy's podcast rocks cocks. Very fun <laughs> to listen to while drawing. Hope you guys like these comics. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, thanks for the note and the comics. Uh, second up, we've got friend of the show and uh, collaborator Brian McRae. Bam sent us over a new naughty, naughty, naughty zine called Pin Up. Bunch of drawings of X-rated stuff. The cover says adults only. So if you're underage and listening to this podcast, one, don't. 
two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? You can't, you can't buy this comic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great little zine, though. Really awesome drawings. Yeah. Bam is an awesome artist, so that's no surprise. Yeah. So uh, check out uh, Bam over on Instagram at B-A-M. C-C-R-A-Y. Sam McRae. Okay. And then we also have from Zach Lowe on Instagram, at Zach H. Lowe, L-O-W-E. He sent over copies of Rat Roach with a really sick black metal logo uh, cover. That I could not read, but I can never read any of that shit. <laughs> uh, really cool illustration work in here. Um, oh, yeah. Very, very much in line with what you're expecting based on this cover. Uh, yeah. So thank you, Zach. He sent over a note along with that as well. It says, uh, JB, my friend Brian McRae said I should send this to you. It's a comic I just put out. Hope you enjoy from Zach Lowe. Thanks, Zach. Really, really appreciate that. And of course, another double shout out to Brian for spreading the good word about the good. And Brian, boys. if you give out our addresses again, I'm going to break your kneecaps, bro. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I feel like our addresses are so just freely given out at this point. Yeah, 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 for sure. We've definitely gotten stuff from people that have not asked for our addresses, and that's fine. So if you get get our addresses from someone else and want to send stuff, that's totally cool. I was just having a laugh with my mate Brian. Uh, Is that it today? Uh, Yeah, that's it, man. Uh, Yeah, we can just go straight into the interview now. Yeah, so uh, stick around. After the break, we've got Mike Centeno. We'll be right back. Athenium Comic Art is an original art website for some of the best cartoonists in the business. They currently represent Remy Boydell, Marie Capel France, Nicole Gu, Jonathan Hill, Emma Hunsinger, Casey Nowak, Micah Song, and Tilly Walden. Athenium Comic Art gives fans the opportunity to own original piece of art from their favorite comics and support the artists that they love. In their short time in business, they've already shipped many iconic pages out to hardcore fans across the globe. Don't miss out on your chance to own a one-of-a-kind piece of history. Check out their website, AtheniumComicArt.com, and type in Gutter Gang at checkout to receive free shipping on your first order. Again, the website is AtheniumComicArt.com, and the code is GutterGang. One day, while combing the beach, Amber and Alana discovered a pair of beautiful medallions. What happened next changed their lives forever. The Santos Sisters will have you laughing from cover to cover as they fight crime, date dumb dudes, and just deal with everyday life as young women in the world. Coming in at a whopping 56 pages. This comic is printed with a four-color web press on decadent newsprint. All that for just five bucks? The number one source for underground comics in Chicago, Quimby's, says this about our comic. A style that's part Archie, part superhero, part snark, but it's all fun. And we think that's just sick. The Santos Sisters is available now in select comic book stores and online at santosisters.com. Hey Gutter Gang, Cam here to tell you about Soggy Landing again, longtime supporter of the podcast. They recently sent us printed copies of the first three chapters to review and are currently posting Chapter 4 online with updates on Instagram. And while I personally haven't seen any of Chapter 4 since I don't read webcomics, I can tell you the first three chapters are really fun to read and full of weed-smoking wizards and hijinks. They've also been contributors to Rust Belt Review issues 3 and 4 with some soggy side stories, so make sure to check those out too. You can read Soggy Landing over on Study Group Comics and over on Instagram at Ian Densford or at welcome underscore two underscore soggy underscore landing. Soggy Landing, hell yeah, dude. 
tired of the same old comics? Why not try Clusterfucks Comics instead? Clusterfucks Comics is a black and white anthology comic zine featuring some of the best underground comics creators today. Creators like Adam Uter, Brian Judge, Isaac Roller, Cameron Zavala, Miguel Aguilar, Dylan Henty, Jared Cody Wolf, Paparotti, Umberto Tanella, Matthew Grant, and so many more. You haven't heard of any of those people? Well, fuck you! Grab a copy and discover their amazingness today, you uncultured swine. The first three issues are available now, with the fourth issue debuting in April. So go grab your copy today at camiscomiccorner.com slash comics with an X, or follow them on Instagram at clusterfuckscomics. Clusterfucks Comics. Comics you can clusterfucks with. The Last Aviatrix is a post-nuclear adventure comic by independent Los Angeles-based cartoonist Buster Cagle. The story follows Summer, our last aviatrix, who pilots the sole surviving airplane, a nuclear-powered B-29, as she travels the ruined world finding ways to survive and help humanity while dealing with the eminent threat of the Atomborn, a rare breed of atomic wizards that want to see her out of the sky. Her mission becomes complicated when she accidentally picks up Henry, an Atomborn child who wields incredible power, and Clementine, a berserker on a quest for vengeance. Can our aviatrix survive this ruined and irradiated waste Land? Every issue can be read for free on BusterCagle.com slash comics. Paper copies can be ordered as well, but, you know, you can still read it for free. If you like Wizards or Warplanes, go check it out. Now, back to our program. Welcome back from the break. Uh, today, we are joined by friend of the show, longtime wanted, anticipated guest, and author of Futile Comics, uh, Mike Centino. Uh, Mike is Chicago-based, and uh, we're very happy to have him here today. What's up, dude? How's it going, dude? What's Pretty up? good, man. Yeah. Uh, before we get into <laughs> talking about like the normal shit, you just uh, <laughs> got off of the uh, retreat, the second winter retreat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got back from that a couple weeks back. Still... Still trying to adjust a normal life after it. Yeah. Would you say the experience was positive? Uh, How'd you uh, fare there? Oh, dude, it was great. It was crazy because I didn't really know what to expect. I I mean, I knew a couple people, but uh, not all of them, of course. It was kind of, I don't know if you know that there was like a lot of sort of issues with the house and stuff. There was like a lot of moving around. I think you might, yeah, might have heard of that. Or we, we yeah, heard a little bit like about a, it. The roof yeah. caved in on the original venue or something like that. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Rough. So like, it, it was funny. Like the first night we got there, like MS was just like, all right, here's the deal. And just like explain the whole thing. And it's like, this is what's going to have to happen. We're going to have to move. Like, if you're going to be an asshole to me, I'm going to be a bitch to you. So like, you better get this shit. Like, and I think it, it was such a good, like, team building exercise by accident, like, that we had to, like, figure out how to, like, all together move to, like, a different location. Like, that I think it made a group, like, pretty, pretty, like, tight. It was weird. Like, it really did feel like a, like a summer camp, like, team building exercise or something. Yeah, that's kind of the experience we had, too, is it was, like, a very regimented, like, scheduled thing. Like, it was easy to, like, you know, it wasn't, like, super, like, you know, invasive or anything like that. I never felt like that on my uh, retreat but there definitely was like camaraderie there especially by the end of the week 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, like it definitely was. Like I said, I mean, I never, I've never actually been to like a summer camp, like a sleepover camp. But like, it did feel like what you see in the movies. Like, oh, you'll write to me, right? Like, oh, we'll still, we'll, we'll keep in touch. <laughs> it's like it was definitely like leaving was hard. Yeah, was that your first time uh, meeting Grixley Nate? Dude, I'm in love with that dude. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be uh, the normal when it comes yeah, to meeting Nate. Reaction, yeah. yeah. It's funny though, because like I remember, like when I was working at Quimby's, like because he he just makes so much shit. Like I knew his name and his work before, like because he's just been doing it for so long and so consistently. Like I would see like his file at Quimby's. You know, like everything at Quimby's is like paper. Like it's not like a there's a computer system, but everything is like in binders. Yeah. And yeah. and his like consignment file is like so thick and like it was kind of it's always a pain in the ass to like check it. Anytime he would check consignment, I'm like, oh fuck, I gotta check this dude's file. <laughs> and so I had like that was my only preconception of him. It was like, oh this this guy's kinda like I mean I like his stuff, but he's definitely he's from his work it seemed like he would be like too much almost, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Someone making that many comics seriously has a problem, yeah. <laughs> right but then i feel like no that was such a he was such a good like person to have in the in the retreat i don't know it's like he's such a good conduit to like i don't really read a lot of like mainstream comics these days but that was what got me into it you know mm-hmm. and it was nice to meet someone who's like who can just make you feel that sort of passion again it was so weird like he really made me want to go back into like buying fucking mainstream comics which sucks <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, he's just like the type you could show Nate like a page from like mid 70s Marvel or DC for like three seconds and he can name like the penciler, inker and writer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like that was the crazy part. Like the the day, I think it was the day before we had to move to like the second location. There's like, because I I know you know this too, but like MS like got some like massages and stuff for us, right? So we had to do it in like Mm -hmm. two blocks, two groups. So like the, the second day we had done it on like a Thursday and then we had to move on a Friday. And so there was like this empty time between like leaving the old place the other group doing massage and us moving into the new place there was like three hours we had to kill and we found this like comic book shop in the middle of like lancaster or something like it looked like a barn we saw it on the side of the road he's like oh let's just go there and kill some time and yeah like digging with through shit with nate he'd like he he would just pull an issue out and be like and pull the exact page you're like look at this drawing of the joker i'm like how the fuck did you know that was there like (laughs) how did you pull it like it was it was insane It, it really like i don't know like i said it was very like revitalizing i don't know yeah no he's like definitely like i mean we've said it on the show but he's like my favorite person that i've met through comics like as far as like you know like you said it's just like good vibes like and when i say that i don't mean like you know like he it's just like i was really taken aback by my experience with him just an all-around good person yeah no i i would agree 100 percent. well what were you uh working on while you were there new futile uh yeah pretty much i mean dude it's weird like uh, yeah it's i started this like it's like a 30 pager 35 pager thing that it's probably going to be either the main story in futile or like the only one and i i'd already had like 70% 70% of it ready. So I just, my goal at the retreat was just like pencil, maybe ink the remaining pages, you know? So yeah, I did that. I penciled and started inking while I was there. And now it's everything I worked on at the retreat, I finished when I got back. Yeah, yeah that was pretty much it. It's like, it's just like a weird woods, being in the woods, psychedelic mushroom monster issue. And that's like completely different from the uh, last issue, number eight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, was that the last one that you sent us? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, tonally, I haven't seen any of it, but I mean, like, I love that you jump around from genre to genre in the issues that I have. Like, there's no, like, uh, you can't, you never really know what you're going to get when you open that new issue. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, which can be a problem with, like, doing fests and stuff, like... 
I feel like everyone was like, oh, this is number eight. I can't buy it because I don't have the previous. I was like, no, 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 you can buy it. Like, I don't, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's all just random. But I never have a plan going into these. I just like, it's whatever, whatever comes out, I guess. Yeah, I stopped uh, numbering. Like, yeah, if I put something out called like vacate, like, it's numbered on the fine print on the inside, but like, it just avoids that whole interaction of, oh, I can't get this. It's like, yeah, but you can. Like, it's yeah. standalone, you know? So I just stopped putting the number on the cover and only put it on the inside. Yeah. Not to tell you what to do, but that's no, made no, my life no, a little it's, easier. It's a good idea. I mean, I think for a seven, I did put like standalone stories on the cover, like, to try to get that to, to be a thing, but then I forgot to do it for this one. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not the best at planning. Yeah, do you think you saw an uptick of sales from that? Because that's interesting that you like, you know, you actually labeled it on the cover. I th- yeah, I'm actually like I'm out of it now. Like I think now the only thing because we did that tabling event at a uh, Laughing Ogre after the retreat. Yeah, yeah. And I brought like some futile eights, and I and I I wanted to bring some of my old stuff, and I realized that I don't have anything left other than like I, I brought my last issues of seven, and now all I have is the new shit. Like I, I I'm out of everything. Hell yeah, that rocks though. So yeah, seven definitely sold better than all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think eight was one of, you know, I put it on my year end list last year. That was just an incredible comic. Thanks, and dude. I think you were working on that before the pandemic, but into the pandemic. Is that right? Like the beginning it, of it. I know we're still kind of in it, but. Yeah, yeah, right. What, yeah, whatever that means. Um, Yeah, I started like, it was actually a, a reading event that there's a friend here in Chicago who like, you know, like does, there's a library, uh, library, a bookstore. Sorry, that's like my Spanish brain, like my a bookstore called City Lit that this dude I knew who worked there was trying to do like a little reading series for comics and stuff. And, and he asked me to do it. And I started writing that just for the reading. I, I wrote like, I don't know, like probably three or four pages because the idea he had was like sort of like an open mic for comics reading. So like you hmm. didn't have to bring a full thing. You could just bring something and just sort of share it and see how people reacted. So I use that as like, a, I feel like I'm, I'm very bad with managing myself. Like I need deadlines outside of myself to do stuff and so having that like forced me to like start writing the story and then that was like in february 2020 like bright before shit like it was actually like the day of the reading was like the day before everything went into like full lockdown here and uh so i i kept like for the first few months of the like the early pandemic i i, I was working on it like oh perfect i have time to do this now like I, I don't have to go to work i can just sit and do this shit and then i sort of stalled in the middle of like 2020 i'm like nothing matters like everything sucks <laughs> like there's like <laughs> yeah. a global pandemic i don't want to keep doing this shit and it took me a good like i don't know like five six months to like get back into it and finish it so yeah it's been like a two-year pro it's the long it's the thing that's taken me the longest i think in, hmm. in all of the futile series so i haven't looked at it knowing that but when you look back at it can you tell that you stopped and then restarted or was it pretty fluid to you as far as working on it i, I can see it i definitely can see it i feel like the first like seven pages look like a different person drew him to me. I mean, maybe not to everyone else, but to me, I can see like, yeah, I was definitely not the same. <laughs> and you mentioned also, you know, just, you know, talking about when you mentioned library, you know, and uh, you also speaking Spanish. Um, let's talk a little bit about like where you're from and like, you know, how you found comics and art. So explain your background if you don't mind, like, you know, sure. moving and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was born in Venezuela. I grew up there. That's where I'm from. I moved to the U.S. in 2010. I was 21, I think, at the time. Comics back home were not like I don't know. They're not as big as they are here, for sure. Like, there's definitely a lot like more political cartooning. I think when you tell people in Venezuela, like, I want to be a cartoonist, it's like, oh, you're gonna do like political cartooning or like you know, like or like sort of like strips for the newspaper or something. There's not like a big culture of like superheroes and stuff. 
or like not an, like a endogenous one like it's you obviously know about superheroes and you get like translations and stuff and but it's not like so huge so i, I didn't have like a comic book shop to go to or anything you know what i mean uh i think when i was like a teen there started to be more like people importing comics and comic book shops but they were so pricey like if you wanted to buy like a single issue it would be like i don't know how to do the equivalency but it was just too expensive to to buy stuff mm-hmm. you know so I feel like my comics, like my love for comics started because like my dad would travel like for business or something and every, and he knew I liked them. So he would just grab a bunch of shit when he was like visiting somewhere else. And so I grew up reading like sections of like, I remember getting like, my dad bought me like Sin City, like the last issue of like that yellow bastard run. Like, so I had no context of what was happening. I just opened it like, and he would never like, I think he just did it as like a, I'm just going to buy him a bunch of, I'll ask the guy at the shop buy a bunch of shit and give it to my kid and he didn't like check them or whatever right right so like i i feel like i and especially non-english is not my first language so like i a lot of at that time i didn't really understand a lot of the story i could just get the images and i always say like i i learned a lot of english from that because like you can kind of glean what's going on in the image and then see words and then start to grab what's going on you know uh but then like you see someone like ripping another dude's dick off i'm like oh okay i guess i guess that's <laughs> yeah. like this is what people are reading you know in the u.s you know so yeah i, I love that stuff I, even like even though it's it's great and that's what it's funny to talk about nate like because i don't have a knowledge of what like issue one of six or whatever is in this run because i never i never understood that I, I i just got single issues like and they were random like i remember having like two issues of like long halloween and i i don't know how it ended i don't know how it started i just have like the middle two or whatever i'm like oh that's cool batman's kicking ass you know and then yeah i think when i was like a teenager venezuela had like this like currency control thing so like you couldn't really transfer your money into dollars other than through like this government i mean if you had like a like an off like if if you had a, a bank account abroad you could do it but i didn't so the way you had to do it was like you had to fill out all these forms and go to the bank and like they would give you like an amount like you have 800 dollars for the year to spend on like online shopping or whatever at like the official rate and i would do i would use that like what little I, like or, or i would use that like ability to use those $800 or whatever to buy comics. And I started figuring out like, oh, there's like indie comics and there's like non-superhero stuff. Like I remember reading like fucking Jonan Vasquez, like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh, this guy, you know, like you can draw this fucking, I don't know, like irreverent serial killer shit. And then little by little, I started just like shying away from the superhero stuff and figuring out that I could just draw whatever the hell I wanted, you know? Yeah. And was this like, are you a teenager when this was happening? Or are you like, you know, late? childhood yeah probably like 14 15 something like that yeah and were you drawing at all before being exposed to comics uh yeah i feel like i've always been i feel like that's like my my family always knew that they could shut me up i was a very like not loud kid but i was definitely like i always wanted to be like doing silly voices and like running around and shit and people got annoyed (laughs) so i feel like (laughs) they figured out that the way to shut me up was like here's like a stack of paper and some like pencils like and i would just i would just do that i would like there was this soccer magazine called Don Ballon, which I was just like, I would just copy like soccer players, like in action shots. Like, oh, like I, I can try to draw this guy kicking a ball, you know? Um, so yeah, drawing has always been like a big thing for me. And, you know, as far as relocating to America, what, uh, you know, what was the genesis of that? And, you know, are you planning on staying here, you know, for the foreseeable future, going back to <laughs> Venezuela? Dude, it's, it's weird because I didn't... I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this before with other people, but like, it wasn't a plan for me to come and stay here. You know, like I came to 
like I think my parents it was getting kind of bad and like yeah you know growing up you you are used to like people getting kidnapped like your friends parents getting like shot you know like it's it's like really you're used to it in a way like violence is just around all the time and 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 even though I have like a pretty I would say pretty privileged existence in Venezuela compared to a lot of other people it's still pretty prevalent like you can't escape it and uh at that time I mean there's definitely like after 2002 there's like a lot of doubling down on repression and the like, cops even you could i remember like going home like from a party at a friend's house and like there was like uh what do you call that when like cops have like a, che- a checkpoint like or something and you could get kidnapped like cops there's no difference between like cops and criminals like they just have the, the uniform you know what i mean like right and like that shit was like always it's it, it got exponentially like scarier to do that to live in the street and I think my parents were definitely like, oh, you know, if you can go, like, if you can apply somewhere outside for, like, a couple of years and, like, until hope, hoping this will, will get better or whatever. And it really <laughs> never did. It never does. You know, it never did. Uh, and then when I moved here, I, I went to school for, like, illustration for, like, a two-year program. It was, like, a, it was not, like, a bachelor's or anything. It was just, like, a certificate, like, advanced certificate or something. And then just, I kind of, like, extended it through, like, work, like, a work visa. And then, like, I met my my wife and I, we got married. And, like, it's I feel like the last 10 years have, have just been, like, I had no plan and it just, life just kept happening, you know? Uh, I would love to go back. I would love, to, I mean, it, I actually, like, now I finally have a passport. I got my passport this last year. I'm a citizen now. So I'm like, oh, okay, I can, now I can, like, travel freely without the fear of, like, being stranded somewhere. Like, I didn't have a passport. My, my passport expired, like, my Venezuelan passport expired, like, two years ago. And then while you're doing the permanent resident application and stuff, it, it, you can't really leave too much. So it's like, I feel like I've been, not trapped, but I, I, I need to leave the U.S. for a little bit, <laughs> at least. Yeah, yeah. I need to, like, reassess, because I, I do think... I didn't expect a lot of cultural shock because I grew up watching a lot of movies and consuming a lot of like American pop culture, but it's very different living here than just seeing it from the outside. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So Mike, uh, you are part of a pretty large tight knit community in Chicago uh, of cartoonists out there. One of the major hallmarks of that city that I, I miss very, very much. What was it like for you getting into comics and then, you know, finding all these sort of like-minded individuals sort of doing their own thing as well? Um, I think I think Chicago has been, I mean, it's the reason I feel like I've stayed here the longest and I, I definitely, it's the, it's the place I consider home the most outside of Venezuela. And I think it's because of that community. I feel like, um, yeah, I went to school in Boston, and, and Boston sucks. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's say you have no idea and leave it at that, okay? Oh, or like, not, nah, uh, like, obviously. No, we'll I stick a- with that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I, it was just such a weird, like, I feel like there's no continuum of, like, uh, community. Like, I feel like everyone just goes to Boston to go to school. Like, there's so many schools, and everyone's just, like, going there. And it just feels like a weird college, like, ghetto, kind of. Like, it's just, like, students, and everyone just leaves and picks up, and there's nothing remains. And I started making comics while I was there. I definitely, even though I loved comics, that wasn't ever my plan. I just, like, wanted to be an illustrator. I like drawing. And uh, in Boston, I found out, like, oh, you can, like, make your zines and print them out. And, like, I, I, I was a tutor at because uh, uh, I had to find, like, a like, – I, I found the best job I could find as a international student. You can't work off campus legally. I mean, you can do it, like, under the table and stuff. But I found a job at the school that paid – like fairly well, I guess for like tutoring, like academic tutoring. So I did that for the whole time I was there. And I, I, so I had like access to all the, like the printers of the school. I had like a, like a sort of like 
quote unquote like teacher's code for all the like printers and shit. So I'm like, oh, I can fucking print a bunch of zines, you know, and like and uh mice happened in Boston. So like it, and it was like right by the school I went to. So like I just applied to mice and I did that. And it was like I was so excited, like, oh I printed like these two little zines and no one bought them. I sold like three things, but like <laughs> um it's it gave me enough juice to like keep doing it. And then I I don't know. It's a lot of like there's those first three years were really tough because I was just like trying to figure out ways to stay here and work. And then I was together. I got together with like my now wife, and then she's from Illinois. And when we got married, she's like, "Well, let's just move to like Chicago. Like my my family's close, and like we just like it was the easiest. Like we just moved to her parents' house for like a little bit and figured out like a plan. And uh, and yeah, when I moved here and found this like. There were so many people doing this, and we went to like there was a Chai PRC, which was doesn't exist anymore, but it was like a Chicago Publishers Resource Center. It was one of the first places I came to to do. It was like a Zine Club or something, and I was like, oh shit, like I could just come here and use this space and talk to people and like make comics, and like it just sort of snowballed from there. Like I couldn't, I don't know. It's so good to have people around you that are doing the same thing, and we're all kind of failing at it or and succeeding at it, but it's nice to have them around, you know. Yeah, and I think that's, like, one place that, like JB was saying, that, you know, he misses. I'd never actually lived in Chicago, but from an outsider perspective, you know, it was always something to be envious of. Uh, it never felt gatekeeper or anything to me, you know, like, because uh, everybody was always so kind to me. But, like, uh, I always longed to have, like, a comics community that close to me. So I think there's something really special there. No, I, I do I do agree that it's not gatekeeper. I mean, I, I'm sure there's definitely, like, cliques and there's, like, different, like, sub-genres and groups of people and stuff. But, like, I feel like when you go to an event or you go to, like, a, you know, a scene not dead or, like, a, a cake or a cake party or whatever, everyone's just so excited to, like, have such a big group of people that are, yeah, they're in the same place. Like, even though they're coming from it from a different angle, everyone has their own sort of, like, approach to it. It's, like, it's a rarity, I think, in my life at least. I mean, it's it's very special. Yeah, I agree with all that, because it does seem like despite everybody's making their own work and it looks like from an art standpoint, you know, even from a writing standpoint, uh, everybody's kind of got their own lane, but everybody seems to know each other. And like, you know, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of bullshit. I'm sure there is living there. I'm sure there's a lot of drama behind the scenes or whatever. Uh, Maybe there's not, but it never comes (laughs) off that way. I think, I mean, I'm sure there is. It's That's the crazy part. It's It's been funny, especially during pandemic with like the discords and stuff. Cause like, I, I feel like I'm not privy to a lot of the drama in general. I feel like it's, like I said, there's like hubs of people. I feel like there's like, like a, like a Bridgeport crew and like a Pilsen crew. And there's like people up North and there's like, there's a little hubs of people that see each other often. And then we all connect. But yeah, I've never really witnessed a lot or like experienced a lot of that like drama. I, I know it it's out there. I, I would I'm a bit avoidant of that sort of shit. Like I I don't I don't really I'm not here for the drama. I just wanna I wanna I just wanna have fun, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So because there's so many like different shows in the city, do you uh plan on going back to doing that? Have you done any recently during COVID? You know, it's uh I miss cake so fucking much. Like cake was probably like my first real sh- like after doing i did mice and did like boston comic-con and I, they were really hit and miss experience cake was like the be- the first time i was like oh shit this this is like my local show and it rules it's been hard for me dude because like i don't know I, I when the pandemic hit like i'm in remission from cancer i had like a tumor between my lungs so like i got really oh, scared fuck. when it was like oh there's just like a pulmonary disease i don't want to it wasn't even about being sick it was more about like i know how expensive it is to be hospitalized <laughs> And I right. don't, I don't want to yeah. do that. You know what I mean? Like, if, so I was really scared for the first like year and, uh, I'm still a little, I don't know, uh, even though 
I know I had like my checkup with like my oncologist and he was like, dude, you're going to, you're, you're fine. Like you're, you're like a young person or like you're, you're, you're not really at, at that much risk. So, but it's still been hard to like, even go to sh- going to like music shows or stuff. It's still kind of hard for me, but with fest, like I miss them so much and I, I haven't really had other than like tabling at that laughing ogre thing, haven't really done it, but I am, you know, I'm thinking about it. Like CXE just like announced a thing. And I'm like, I, I, so I'm at that point where like, I'll apply to it and see what happens, you know, like, I, right. I, Cause I do miss the, the part of the retreat going back to talking about the retreat. Like I, that's the thing I miss the most is like going to the show and meeting people and talking shop and like seeing what everyone's doing like that shit's so so important to me i think it's it's hard to make things in a vacuum I, I know people can do it i know some people are really like have this vast inner world and they can just sit at the desk and do it but i i need i need that sort of check-in with people like so i'm definitely trying to see what I can do this year. Like if it's CXC, if something like a little more local, because cake isn't happening. Scene Fest is not happening. And is Zine Fest not happening? I thought it was outdoor or something I read. Oh, well, I'm not sure. I, I know that. Uh, so <laughs> my wife used to be an organizer. She, she stepped back this year because of all this stuff too. And right. So I, th- I, I, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I thought that they were going to do it. And then they like said they weren't now. That could, that could be the most current. Um, But I do know that they were talking about doing it. Um, But yeah, I don't know the exact status at this moment. So you're probably right. Yeah, it's it's tricky. I I understand why the reasons, especially like being like my wife organized or helped organize Scene Fest for a few years. And and it's such a funny thing to see like the behind the scenes of it, too, because like I I, I, it's it's I feel like people forget. I understand there's a lot of hate with like SBX and stuff. And I get all that. Like I, I all the Amazon shit, I understand it. But like. When you start attacking like smaller fests for like, oh, they're not doing this right. It's like, these are volunteers, man. Like these are, they're be- these people are not getting paid to do this. You know what I mean? Like, right. There's not like a profit model and like, but I think the bigger a fest gets, the more people that don't get in or like don't see them. Like, it's like everyone becomes a critic and it starts to eat itself. I think that's the, I had a friend, uh, Daniel Jimenez. He's like a Colombian. Um, I mean, he's an artist, but he's mostly like an organizer. He, he, he worked for like, the Entre Viñetas is like a Colombian fest in Medellin and Bogota. And like, we would talk about this shit all the time. Cause like it, it becomes this thing where the people start seeing fest. The, once a fest is sort of longstanding, people see it as like a corporation and, and they assume there's like, uh, which, which does happen. Like I said, with SPX, TCAF, the bigger fest for sure. But like not every fest is like that. And like most, most fests are run by just like five people you know and uh i don't know it's 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 really that's this that's one of the for me one of the sadder parts of like the whole thing or going back to like the drama or the thing like the community stuff like yes the community is tight but there is definitely like a lot of i don't know like personal little vendettas and like people like oh i I don't like i i didn't get into this or i didn't get into that or this is not how i like it so we should like i'm like yeah but everyone can volunteer If, if you really gave a shit you could volunteer and do it but it's easier to shit on it you know what i mean right so, yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. Now I'm going like a weird tangent on that. <laughs> no, you're okay. So I do want to kind of talk, you know, kind of going back to, you know, before you came to America. So what is the scene like there? You know, you mentioned, you know, shows and so forth. Like, is it pretty supportive? Is it pretty clicky? You know, I guess, are you having to travel a lot? In you know, Venezuela? to hit different shows? Yeah. Uh, so in Venezuela, I feel like I remember. So the first comic I ever did was, uh, well, you get, you know, uh, yeah, Alexis, right? Alexis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, and I talk about this guy, his name is Sergio. He like, 
he when I was like 15 he came up to me and he was like hey like I'm making this uh like an anthology I want to like make this thing where like we publish like like people's work you get like three pages and stuff not paid at all we're gonna like consign it at like newsstands and shit like it was very like but I was so excited I'm like yeah I'll do a comic it was like the dumbest shit I've ever made like I, I'm embarrassed to see it but it was so exciting to be like oh we can make a comic right in those couple of years there were like comic con quote unquote like they they were doing like yeah like little local comic cons and stuff but it was very much like a small version of like a like a big comic con where like it's not all comics it's like harry potter and fucking transformers freaks and like <laughs> you know so that i don't remember a lot of different shows like i feel like a lot of states had their own little comic con but it wasn't as big as they are here like i don't there there there's not a at least when i was there like i'm sure there i'm sure now it's different but like when i was there there wasn't there was only like a handful of people that were like trying to implement those models back back home mm-hmm. are you uh selling a lot of comics uh to you know readers in venezuela or are you pretty much just uh seeing an american audience i mean pretty much I, they are I, I do think i have like an expat audience you know i feel like a, a lot of people who are because that's the thing like especially people of my generation i mean and 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 after my generation like i feel like venezuela has has such a um what's the word um I mean, just a lot of migration, you know, like, because everyone in the last 10 years have just like, like fled. And I, I, like I said, I admit I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lucky and privileged that I, I was able to like come to school and then just find, figure ways to stay, you know? Uh, and now you're seeing like, when I was a kid, there was no migration like there, like there is now. Like you would never hear of like a Venezuelan crossing like the Rio Grande, you know what I mean? Like, and now that shit happens every day, like, because that's just where we're at, you know? So I I don't know what my, the perception of my work is like in Venezuela. I know like all this stuff I've done for like the Nib. I've done a couple of pieces for the Nib that are like very much Venezuela centric. Those have gotten a little bit of attention, but in general, like just because of the 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 way things work, like there's not a lot of online orders from Venezuela because it's just it's just hard <laughs> to to send shit and to buy stuff from there, you know. So right. I I do think I have like people from like. Uruguay or Colombia or stuff like buying stuff but and to be fair and not to be fair to to be honest that's what I that futile eight especially it was like I struggle a lot with I don't want to be like the I'm the guy from Venezuela you know what I mean like I hate I hate feeling that way sometimes and I'm like that that's too much of my identity but it is what it is you know like I, I, I that's it I'm still worried about my country and I'm still like concerned about because to me it just it's it's a weird uh a lot of venezuelans are like oh we're from the future because we can see how shit gets fucked you know what i mean like yeah. and i and i do believe that like i see a lot of the hubris that we used to have or my parents have here in america you know like where like there's no belief that like oh this will never come to our back doors like well we'll get ready asshole because it's already there you know what i mean like it's coming <laughs> yeah so yeah i don't know it's it's i i try to I, I, that's why i love alexis's work because i think he does such a cool like if you look at like all his night hunter stuff the space writers like there's so many like venezuelan easter eggs like he draws so many like like landmarks and places and like like burger brands like in the backgrounds and stuff it's because you know his shit is so like filled to the gills with detail yeah and like and i and i respect that a lot that he doesn't do it in like a like oh woe is me venezuela is fucked it's like no i'm just gonna do a cyberpunk version of it and like that's that's how he approaches it i i, I have such a like a mad respect for that dude like that that's how he he sublimates that you know yeah definitely 
Now, since uh, Spanish is your first language, have you made any of your comics in Spanish first and then translated them in, into English or anything like that? Yeah, there's uh, there's two two particular things. I, there's one. So this uh, this guy I'm talking about, Daniel Jimenez, he also is a big promoter of like wanting to put comics in like more mainstream spaces in Colombia. So he when he was he was here in Chicago for a little while and he. He worked with this uh, newspaper, El Espectador, which is like a big sort of like newspaper in Colombia, like a, I don't know, like a Tribune or New York Times or something, like a, like a big newspaper. And he had sort of like pitched them to do you know, uh, like two, three page like comics about social issues and stuff. And uh, back in 20, what was it, like 2017, my... Uh, my uncle was like murdered <laughs> and I, I got the call from my cousin who found him and it's my it's my mom's like brother and my mom moved to the US when I got sick so she was here and and I had to like get this call from my cousin and then like call my mom and tell her like your brother is dead you know what I mean like which is such a fucked up thing to do as like you don't, you don't ever expect to have to do that as like a as a child to your parent you know and so I did this comic for El Espectador about that because it was during a time where like I mean, there's like an energy crisis back in Venezuela and like lights were going off and all the time you don't really, you have like a time, a certain like windows of time where light or electricity is on. And um, so I did a piece for them for about that. And that was the first one I'd done in like strictly in Spanish. And I don't think I, I, like I translated it for like a reading, but I, I haven't printed that on my own yet. It's still kind of weird to do it. And then I did... Well, the thing that ended up getting on like Netflix and stuff, which was a, a, such a random, such a random thing. I did that as a, it was like a song I wrote about my grandma in Spanish. And then I just sort of translated it to English for a reading. But I, 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 I do think about that a lot. Like, I don't know how, I, I still feel like I have this big story I want to tell about like Venezuela in general, not in a, I don't know. Not I don't want it to be like autobio, and I don't want it to be like just essayistic and boring. Even though I've done stuff like that for other people, uh, and I don't, I don't, I never know if I would do that in Spanish or would do it in English. I don't know. It's 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 language is weird, especially now that I've been here for so long. Definitely. All right. So let's just talk about you know how it's done. How you how you do what you do. <laughs> So I know you said you don't really earlier in the interview, you said you don't really approach it with the plan. Like as far as when I say it, I mean the new issue of Futile, which is your long running one man anthology there. So what happens? Do you just like you're just like, oh, it's time to get to work. Another issue. Do you keep ideas like walk us through the creation process of some of your comics? Yeah. So for for the Futile stuff, it's definitely like it cha I think it di it's di it differs between issues kind of like so for Futile 8, for example, I definitely did have like a clear idea of what I wanted to do like I it was sort of based on like a professor I had and and I am I do believe in sort of like I don't know like education and I think it's so important to like I don't know I'm a sucker for 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 learning stuff and I think that that's the the biggest tool you can give a person you know I feel like especially now where we're living in this fucking extreme fascist times it's like stop investing in fucking cops and just give people like homes and and, and schooling you know what I mean like and you'll see a better fucking place so for that one, I did have like my characters and I, I kind of was sketching like the people I wanted to put in, how, what they were going to look like. I def that, that was one of the most methodical approaches I've had. And I, I thumbnailed it. I, I, I didn't write the dialogue, but I, I had like a beat sheet kind of where I was like, in this page, this is what happens. And in this page this is what happens. And 
that was very helpful. But for a couple of like for issue seven and like this one I'm working on, I think, which is not a good thing. I don't recommend this at all, but sometimes I'll be like, oh, I have this great idea. I'm going to start just like drawing it. And then once I'm drawing it, I'm sort of just forced to keep drawing it. And I, I don't know exactly where it's going, but I, I, I know myself enough now that I, I have a little bit more of confidence of like, I, I'm not going to get bogged down by like, if I'm not going to get, I used to throw a lot of shit out. Like I, st- I would start like five pages and just throw them out because I didn't have a plan. Mm. But now I'm more like, well, I, I think I know the general thing I want to say. And I'm just going to figure it out as I draw it. Yeah, like, I, it's 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 hard to answer that question because, like, I do think thumbnails and, like, beat, like, doing beats and stuff is really helpful, but that it just doesn't feel, it doesn't come naturally all the time. So, I, I, I as far as, like, notes and stuff goes, I do have, like, a running note tab on my phone or I'll keep, like, notebooks and stuff and I'll be like, I still have, like, stories, like, or, like, large ideas, oh, sorry, that I want to tell, but it, it really is, like, a case-by-case scenario. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And like, also like with, I feel like the last few years I've gotten a lot of work, like paid comics work for like immigrant organizations. And like, I, I just did this comic for in here. I don't know if you know about the general iron, like protests here in Chicago. Like they were moving this, like disposed, like waste plant to like a, from like an affluent neighborhood to like a more immigrant, like neighborhood that's already like fucked with a lot of plants. And I, I, I. I love doing that work because even though I know it's not like cool comics, it's not going to give me any comics cred. Like it's not going to be read by the cool kids, you know, but it's like, oh, it's, it's, I like that work. I like being able to use comics to like tell a story that people might otherwise not read. So like, I think doing that stuff has helped me in my personal work to like be more organized with like, yeah, what, what, what is the story I'm trying to tell, you know? Yeah, and I know you just kind of mentioned that, you know, other work, you know, besides Futile. So, are you mainly an illustrator for, you know, are you working a regular day job right now? Or are you freelance completely? So, this, it, it's, I, I, I do, I hate saying this, but definitely Pandemic was, I, it helped me transition to be a, a freelancer, like, more mm-hmm. full-time. I've always had day jobs. I worked, I've worked, you know, I worked at Quimby's. I worked at an ice cream shop up until the pandemic. I've worked at warehouses and stuff. And that was always, actually miss it in a way like because I, I like having a job where i could just see or just not think about comics or or like do stuff and hear people and do my job and then come home and like put it all into comics yeah in in the last couple of years i've definitely gotten more work of like illustration work or like animation work and yeah this sort of like comics sort of journalism thing which is not something i ever expected i would do but People, people want it, and so I'm, I'm, I'll do it if I can get a paycheck from it. Um, so yeah, I think this, this is the first time. The last couple of years have been the most. Yeah, I've, I've, I've worked mostly off of illustration. Yeah. Okay. Like, what's that process been like for you? As far like, have you found it to be pretty, you know, easy going? Is it pretty feast or famine for you? I mean, I know everybody's experience with it is different. It, it, yeah, it definitely is like that. I, I, like, my, like my wife makes fun of me because I, I consider myself like a pretty unlucky person. I always say like, I, I feel like shit goes, I don't know, shit has gone wrong a lot. But I also try to see it from her side, which is like in the last couple of years, even though I don't do a lot of like, like for a while I was doing a lot of like cold emailing and like keeping a spreadsheet and like, I'm just going to send samples to like magazines and shit. And like it, it didn't really work. You know what I mean? Like it didn't really or I didn't feel like it was, I, c- I couldn't feel the effects immediately. You know, it took like years of me doing that. And then when I stopped doing it and just like started making comics for myself and just not giving a shit, I think that got me more work. You know, like people seeing my shit at zine fests or like the nib stuff or like all, all the, all the things that I thought were just like 
I'm just going to do it because I like doing this. It started getting me more work. So yeah, it's right now I'm at, I'm in a, in a pretty, the, the, I would say cushiest position I've ever been because I got, I, I, last year I did a, um, someone tapped me to finish a book, like illustrate like this kid's book. It's like an NPR, like podcast turned into a kid's book. But I, I was like, it's like a big publisher. It's like Harper Collins. And like, I'm just illustrating. I'm just doing illustrations. I'm not writing the book. I'm not doing any sort of like, it's not, it's not like a kid's, it's like a science book, but with illustrations. Okay. Um, so it's the first time I've had like a contract. Like I, I have a long-term contract for a book. So that's afforded me this year, especially like the chance yeah. to like work on my stuff. But it's also weird because I'm not getting paid on the regular. Like I got like an advance and then I, I this summer I'm going to have to be working super hard on this book. And then I'll get paid a second part at the end. So like, I know I'm, I'm going to have a paycheck, but it's not a steady paycheck. So I, I, it's, right. it still doesn't feel like I'm getting paid, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it, I think that's just part of the, the freelance situation. There's, I don't know. I've never experienced like a constant sort of like, it, it, it's always, it always comes down to the wire. Like there's always going to, it seems to, something always shows up when I need it or, but it's. I don't know. I'm trying to, I, I'm, what I'm trying to say with that is like, I feel like all the work is kind of paying off. Like, I think I, it sounds corny as shit to say it, but like the best advice anyone ever told me was like, stop trying to do the things you want, you think people want. Like even Johnny Sampson told me this once, like, just do your, do you. And like, and again, that sounds very privileged. Like, but I, at the time when he told me that I was just I was still working day jobs, he was like, just do the thing you like to do and do it like with care and hopefully someone will notice, you know what I mean? Like, and if they don't, well, fuck it. But like, and so far that's all I've been able to, like, I, 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 that's, that's my whole approach to it is like, I'm just going to keep doing what I want to do. And if someone wants to give me money, then I'll fucking take it. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. So all in all, do you think that your, your experience with like, you know, working on this new book, uh, I'm assuming you've got like, you know, editors and so forth like probably you know what's the experience like since you're not having to write this like are the editors pretty hands-off since you're just illustrating it or are they actually like giving a lot of suggestions i think in this case and it is a rare case so i wouldn't i don't want to pretend like this is the norm but uh, i kind of stepped into someone else's work so like the way they hired me last year to basically finish i don't know if you know who jack teagle is he's like an illustrator like a british illustrator okay he was doing the book and I think he was just like, I can't do this shit anymore. I'm having a kid. Like, I, I, I can't do it. You know what I mean? And so they sort of tapped me in to be like, hey, we we like, we like found your work. I don't even know how the fuck they found my work. I think just like I talked to the art director and she's like, I keep a file of people I like. And then just we thought you would be good for this. And so like basically I was just tapping into sort of his style. Oh, even though we're sort of it's similar. It's a little similar to me. So it wasn't too hard. Mm-hmm. So it was really it was kind of hands off. Yeah. Like, I feel like because the, I, because I had the book and I had a template to work off of, I just, I think that that was, it was easy to do or like, or, or they were just happy for me to just kind of keep my, like bring my sense of humor, but also just kind of mi- like mimic their style. And so now, so after he left, it's like, well, do you want to just keep doing the next book? I'm like, yeah, fuck it, dude. Like I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll take this page. Like, I don't care. So I, I don't know if that's like a traditional experience. And to be fair, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you because I finished that first book and they hired me for this next one and the next one hasn't really started. So like all I have is my experience from like jumping in in the middle. Now I'll be doing it like on my own. So I don't know. I, I, I'm still waiting to see what that's going to look like when it's just me, you know? Right. Okay. Hell yeah. But yeah, I, I have no, I have very little complaints so far. Right on. 
Yeah, so uh, we, as usual, have questions from our listeners. If you would like to participate and ask a question uh, for one of our guests, you can always DM us or email us at gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com. We usually post up on Instagram a a quick survey that you can uh, respond to and, and submit your questions that way. Yeah, and you can find us on Instagram at gutterboyspod. Okay, first question is from Instagram user Oops All Centipedes. Uh, they ask, "Why is he such a dweeb?" Heart emoji. I don't. I, I don't have an answer for that. Do you know that person? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know them. That, that's Shay. oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that makes more sense. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm, they're just trying to mess with me, I guess. <laughs> All right. Second question came from former guest and uh, previous Chicago resident Josh Pettinger. I used to see you in the window working at Pretty Cool Ice Cream. Did you ever see me? <laughs> Dude, you know what? That's so fucking, fucking British funny. creep. That is so funny. Josh, fuck, man. Like, I don't understand him. You know what I mean? Like, even after all this, like, because I, I met him at a drink and draw. Like, so Alex Nall used to host these drink and draws here in Chicago. And I remember he, like, he brought Josh ones. And, like, he was such, like, I love his work. He's, like, I, I, I knew him, like, or his stuff. And I thought he hated me. I, like, I, I thought, like, we were hanging out at the drink and draw and he was just, like, so quiet and, like, We'll throw these looks at you. I'm like, oh, did I say something wrong? Like, did I piss this guy off or something? And and then I would like, when I was working at the ice cream shop, like he would come with like his partner and his dog and like, he would never come in. He would just like, he, she would come in to order. And like, I could see Josh. Like, I was like, oh, I want to say hi. But, like, <laughs> He's just standing like the sicko drawing there, like, oh, at the fuck, window. Fuck this guy, fucking cunt. And like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I don't know, man. Did I do something to upset this dude? Uh, but now I just kind of know that that's who, I mean, through the discord and all this, I definitely like figured out that's just who Josh is, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I still love his shit. Goiter rules. Uh, I definitely saw him outside and I wish he could have, uh, went in to to have a chat or something uh i still yeah i still have a, i still have a deep feeling that he does not like me <laughs> he's just a little freak that's all uh, no i yeah. think uh, yeah i'm sure he doesn't i don't think he would have asked anything if he dislikes you <laughs> sure so sure. yeah <laughs> no, i all love to josh he's great man yeah for sure uh goiter seven coming out soon everybody go yeah, get that. I, I, I got my order in everybody yeah, everybody same. put your pre-orders Okay, Instagram user CK Connolly Draws asked, how important are comic grids to you? Fuck, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, in what way though? I, I feel like I... I think that's up to you to interpret. Yeah, I guess. I, I So I, I love, when I started doing comics, I definitely liked just doing like non-panel stuff and like doing more like, I don't know, weird like abstract layouts and stuff. But I think the more I do it, I, I find like the make like doing the grids is like busy work that I can do before actually doing the comic. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If I'm feeling like I'm stuck and I can't do shit, then I'll be like, okay, cool. I'm just gonna do like this grid just in pencil and just like do a bunch, like do like a bunch of pages. So then when I wanna draw, I'll have them ready to go. And I do them in pencil because I don't, I'm not committing to like a, a specific like three by three or whatever. Like I just divide it into like yeah, like. A three by three, but then I do the halves and then I have everything if I need to just like just trace it and have a, a grid ready. I think it helps me. Yeah, like it's busy work. And then when, when once I want to jump in, it's a structure I can just sort of like play with. And then when I ink it, I can choose how to panel stuff. But having the grid is is very uh, helpful for me because I, 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 I do think I'm not like like I'm not diagnosed 
anything but i do have a lot of issues focusing and like working i think i have a big problem like i either go like hyper focus and like work for like 10 hours on a thing or i'll spend like 10 hours just looking at a page and not doing jack shit or getting distracted by a bunch of shit so doing the grids is it's become sort of like this thing to do when i don't feel like i can do it you know yeah for sure so are you like a grid purist you think like santoro no, Yo, dude, dude, that's so funny. The Centaur thing, like, cause I, one of my first comics I did, I did for like, do you remember what was like it was Tumblr days? Like Centaur had like the comics workshop or whatever. Yeah. And he would do those like, like grid contests or whatever. Or like, you know what I mean? Like he was like, you can only use like a three by three and this, like, these are the dimensions and, and you submit him and then I'll post the, the winners or whatever. <laughs> you know what the fuck? And I remember doing that and I made this comic, which I, I don't, I've never reprinted it, even though I kind of liked it. And it was such a good exercise for real, but I don't, I'm not as extreme as he is with, with all like the stuff. I don't really think there's like a, the only way to do it is that like, I, I, it helps me and it, it, it helps have the structure, but, but I think I learned from him from that little contest thing is like, okay, it's, it's helpful for, it's for sure helpful. If you're, if you're someone who struggles with like, like I said, coming up with ideas or like layouts and stuff, if you have this like grid ready, it's easier to, to just play with it. I don't know. Right. It's like comfort in like order. It's, I don't know. No, definitely. I agree with that. So next question actually wasn't written in and I'm surprised. So I'm gonna go ahead and ask it anyways, uh, because he's really fucking up by not submitting this, but Nate Garcia, what'd you have for breakfast? Oh, what happened? Oh shit, dude. Nate. <laughs> uh i i had a hoagie for breakfast <laughs> oh hell yeah so it was like a brunch or was this like a 7 a.m Dude, hoagie? I, I suck i suck at breakfast i feel like that's one of my biggest problems in life i feel like i wake up and I, i'm not hungry and then i'll just like start doing shit and then it'll be like three o'clock i'm like oh shit I, I, i'm hungry i haven't eaten anything uh so i'll just eat a, a huge meal you know? yeah yeah so like so like today it was the same like i just woke up i started doing shit i had to take like the doc to the vet and after I dropped him off at like two o'clock, I'm like, oh, look, a hoagie. <laughs> I can have one. But yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I try, I try to be better with breakfast and like buy yogurt and shit, but it's so, I, I, I'm not a breakfast guy. That's just not, that's just not who I am. Yeah. But, uh, but, but all respect to Nate. I, I, breakfast is working for him. Are no, you, don't respect uh, him. He's slipping, man. He didn't send in the question. Yeah. It's oh, like his fuck, one job fuck, every two fuck weeks. Fuck you, Nate. Fuck yeah. you. Exactly. Fuck you go. and your muscle horse. <laughs> yeah. You rode in on. <laughs> so, uh, are you a coffee guy? Do you have coffee in the morning at least? Oh, I do have coffee. I shit so much, dude. My shits are bad. It's like bad. <laughs> because it's like no water. There no we go. Food, yeah. Just, just, just coffee, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, you know, like one of the, like in 2020, like Kara Cash got me into reading One Piece, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like, so I read all of One Piece in like 2020. I just through the public library, got all that shit and read the whole thing. Okay. And one of my favorite, I don't remember what volume it is in, but like, you know, he always has like a little excerpt at the beginning, like a little, no, like a little, I don't know what to call it. Just like a thing he says. And he had like a little drawn timetable for his day. And it was like morning, diarrhea, like three hours work, like diarrhea in the afternoon. And I'm like, yeah, this sounds like me, dude. That's like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy to feel like Oda has my same problems. <laughs> Representation matters. Yeah, yeah relatable does. characters, it, finally. It, it yeah, made me yeah. feel like, oh, cool, cool, cool. I'm not fucked up. I mean, I'm sure I, sure I, I am fucked up inside, but it made me feel good that <laughs> Sensei Oda like could also shit so, so much. 
Are we talking just like straight up soup coming out of your ass? Or oh, no, on. it's not even the soup. It's more about like it's painful, it. man. It's like oh, that's not good. Have you ever not 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 that bad? But like, have you ever been in the toilet and been like, oh god, this sucks. Like I hate. I just want to like stop this. <laughs> but no, but actually no. <laughs> I think I'm just dehydrated most of the time. I think that's yeah, the biggest drink issue. Drink more water, I bro. Need to drink more water. <laughs> god damn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that's my problem. I I go in I. Like the same hyper focus like happens to me. Like there'll be a week where I'll have like yogurt and granola every day, you know, and it'll be great, and I'll drink all the water, and then the next two weeks I won't do it at all, and I, I just, yeah, I just, just focus on dehydration. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I want to get that dehydration <laughs> achievement. You know what I mean? So I fucking I'm doing it. All right, all right. Uh, last question comes from listener Instagram user Alstagram. Uh, he asked, top three reasons to live in Chicago. Oh, shit. Alves, man. Right. That, I, I, that's yeah. another. That's a second to Nate. That's another fucking bromance for me. I love that dude now. That's what we heard because uh, Big Nate slid into the DMs and was like, I need you all to have Ryan Alves on the show. <laughs> oh, so man. we're going to have Ryan Alves yeah. on the show soon. Yeah, <laughs> you should, man. I love that <laughs> yeah. dude for real. I mean, he, <laughs> while we were like, I think he, when we got to the to the retreat, like him and Craig Campbell, like we had like, there was a two dudes. I was like, okay, like we met in the kitchen talking shit about like, I don't know, dishwashers and shit. I was like, oh, I like these two dudes. But also Ryan, I could tell is like he's gonna be my like my stoner buddy for the week because he was the yeah. guy who was like always <laughs> going out to smoke, and I'm like, hey, I I want to join that. You know what I mean? Like I have some shit. Hell I'll yeah. throw down. Let's smoke weed. <laughs> yeah, this and was not was an wor- issue during our trip. I can tell you that. No, much. no, no, for sure, for sure. I not. brought a uh, I brought literally 25 pre rolled joints. <laughs> Dude, see, I went the, I went at the wrong time then. I went at the wrong time. <laughs> because I feel like uh, yeah, we were not the. I mean, not that obviously people smoke weed, but no one brought. We, like, we were the ones who were like ready I, i'm like i'm ready to yeah. smoke weed all the time and so we had a lot of just hangs just outside and uh i drew a like a Matsukeli uh like he was he was doing this like bootleg zine of like or like the nightfall thing where like bane is just like naked and has a heart on the whole time uh, <laughs> yeah he asked me to draw a pinup for this dude. so if you all want to see me draw batman <laughs> that, but that's what i did like we were just like hanging out and i was yeah. drawing like a Matsukeli ripoff where like batman's just like has like a prince fucking dick and Gordon's afraid of it <laughs> and that was so fun just like he really like reminded me how fun it is to do dumb shit so like so to Ryan reasons to move to Chicago fucking the community for sure that's like first I think that's I don't know I I, I love being able to just if I wanted to just reach out to anyone and talk comics and just meet at Quimby's or grab a coffee or whatever other than that man you know like that lasagna pizza and those hot dogs come on you gotta just you gotta you gotta love that shit <laughs> lasagna you <know>? pizza <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like I mean, yeah, that's, you, you that's got, what it is. Yeah, yeah, I've never heard it described like that, but that's <laughs> you, what it is. You got to do it. I love it. Yeah. Give me those carbs. Uh, and then just, I don't know, man. He has for three? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess the third one, I don't know, man. Like uh, The bean. Yeah, the bean. The bean, a cloud the gate. The cloud gate, please. You have to come just for that. You have to come to, like, run into Chris Ware once and, like, see, oh, him, yeah. be a, see him be, like, a total cartoon of himself. Like, that's... that's. <laughs> do you think that they'll ever move the bean? Fuck, that's a good question. Because it's like an installation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they'll move it. No. I don't think so. At this point, it's so, it's so entrenched and like fucking everyone wants to take a picture with that fucking bean. 
Yeah. If anything, they'll put in more beans. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe they'll make it a, a bean family or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds racist, yeah. actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You went there. Yeah, uh. I mean, hey, I, I can do it. I have a wispy, like, Latin American mustache. That's true. Yeah. Venezuelans are allowed to be mean to Mexicans. I <laughs> no, no, no. That's, <laughs> that's, that's you know, the unspoken that's, that's, rule. You know, that, that's a real thing. Like I do, I ha- I struggle with the shit with Venezuelans a lot. Cause like, we're the, we're the fucking worst. And like, we're really like, there's this weird, like, uh, self, self aggrandizing of like, oh yeah. Cause we were just, we've always been a port. Like the whole, our whole entire history, Venezuela has just been a fucking port. And they're just aligned with whoever's fucking moving shit through it. You know what I mean? So, like, at least fucking Mexicans have an identity. You know what I mean? Like, at least they fucking believe in something. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, we're just a bunch of cowards and turncoats. I don't know. Sorry. Sorry, Venezuela. I love you. <laughs> I feel like uh, every Latin American country has this attitude about themselves <laughs> in relation to other Latin American countries. Sure, I don't know what sure. it is. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like I grew up, I struggle a lot with... As a kid, and more so now, like, I feel like every time I called someone out for being racist in Venezuela, there would be like, no, man, we do it out of love. I call this guy black out of love. Or, you know, I mean, I'm not using the right word, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to use yeah. it. I don't want to use <laughs> it. But right, like, yeah. there's like, everyone's get gets like broken. Like, I had a, a friend or like a kid in school, we just call him like El Chino, you know, like, or El Portugues. You know, like, every, everything's about <laughs> where you're from. And it's like, that sucks, dude. Like, I mean, it's like, no, 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 we're doing it because we're friends. I'm like, yeah, but how do you think they fucking feel that they're like like singled out for being that? You know what I mean? Like, and I, I think that that happens with Mexicans too. Like, I think Venezuelans like, oh, el Mexicano. Like, we had a guy who like lived in Mexico in my school, and like, and he had a bit of a Mexican accent, so like that was his identifier. Like, he's el Mexicano. Like, come on, man, he's he's a dude. He's just a guy. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I I have a I have a hard time with that stuff sometimes. Yeah, it's I feel like it's an attitude that. Uh transcends culture and countries yeah for you sure can, for you sure. can be mean to other people <laughs> if they look different yeah. or sound different yeah for sure dude i mean i remember this with my pa- I, I had such a big thing with my parents like there was this like shop close to our house it was like a like a electronic shop and stuff in repair and the dude who owned it was like korean like he was a korean person who moved to venezuela and like he was korean but everyone called him chino like he was el chino yeah. you know like yeah and and he would tell you like I'm not Chinese I'm Korean and it was like yeah 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 no see you tomorrow Chino it's like he told you <laughs> you know what I mean right like, he's yeah, asking right. you to not he's like I'm Korean but like and, it's you know like, that. You guys have a brotherhood with Mexico in that way, because Mexicans do the exact same thing. No, I think that's a very Latin American thing for sure. Yeah, it, it's very funny. I was riding with my uh, my Mexican friends in Pilsen one time, and uh, what was it? They we we passed some sort of like Asian restaurant or something, and uh, and I think some one of them was just like saying that it was like vietnamese or thai something like that and i was like yeah. no that's you know it's actually you know x y z this country and they're like oh whatever it's the same country you know just like it's like motherfucker if someone came up to you and said yeah. that you're cuban or exactly. puerto rican you would lose your fucking you're mind i've out. seen yeah. it happen yeah i've no, seen it 100%. happen that's, that's my reason that's my argument to them is like would you be happy if someone like because it's true like if someone was like oh you're from like what honduras i'm like no motherfucker i'm from venezuela you would be right. pissed so right. why don't you get that they would be pissed too you know what i mean like, well, it's why, like oh well it's different it's right. different and no and you know there, and i don't know if this is like a latin american thing but at least in venezuela like there's a, like an expression for it where you, you say when someone tell like if, if someone confronts you about that like no they're actually korean there's like a, a, a go-to phrase people say is like oh 
para mí son todos chinos. Like, they're all Chinese to me. You know what I mean? It's like, right. well, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. that sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's, well, that's they're all right, Mexicans dude. to me. Yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly. Like, it's, I don't know. I, I, I also, and I will say to that point, not to get too lofty about this stuff, but like, I think that it is a very, uh, a human flaw. Like, everyone thinks like, oh, whatever. Whatever's not me is, who gives a shit, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, cool. Of course. Well, well then get ready because again it's gonna it's gonna come fuck you up too you know yeah well you know yeah. i feel like a lot of white americans are very insulated from that oh yeah you know like uh like if you if you ever show them like a large studio released movie and you show them like the the cut for the chinese market and they're like well that that's just that's racism because they yeah. took out the black characters like well no yeah. You know, like it's it's a little more nuanced than that. And, you know, it's like these cultures handle things differently because it's just it's it's outside it's, the norm of like what their everyday lived experience is just like yours. Yeah. No. So, and, and again, that's I know that this is we're supposed to be <laughs> wrapping this up, but I do think like the thing I felt the most living in the U.S., not that this isn't a flaw other places, but, like, there's such an insularity to, like, because America is so big and so, like, he- hegemonic in the culture. Yeah. Like, even the best meaning, like, left radicals, you know what I mean? Like, are sure. still equally as imperialistic as the people they criticize. You know what I mean? Like, my, my biggest gripe with American, like, leftists and, like, shit is that, like, even when you're saying, like, oh, it's all America's fault. Like, this is this and that. It's like, they, you're still taking agency away from people that are not. It's like America's running the world. That's the, that's the, that's what people think. Like, not to say that America hasn't meddled in fucking. I mean, they make, try to, to their credit, they try yeah, to. For a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I would never say no to that, but like to honestly believe that everything that happens outside of the US is like America's like doing. Like, it, it, what do you think that makes us feel outside of it? That like, oh, we're just idiots and we're just puppets, right? Like, we have no agency. Like, uh, everything that's happened to us is because you did it. Like, and I don't, I, it, that's such a hard thing to like explain. It's like, it's like a weird way of internalizing the Monroe Doctrine. It's right. this idea, you know, it, it's a very interesting reading or interpretation of that. Right. Yeah. But, and again, yeah, it's like, I always, I've never, I, I, I want to talk about that stuff in like my work. I just never found a way to do it. Like, I, yeah. It's hard. Like, it's hard. It Talking is, about yeah, stuff like that is difficult, especially in a comic. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's like, you're criticizing colonialism while still assuming that we're all just like subservient to your the american whims you know what i mean like go fucking read a book like go go <laughs> like I, I hate when people tell me shit like oh like i remember when like bolsonaro in brazil was like oh yeah i was listening to, like tim heidecker's podcast and bolsonaro sucks and blah 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 and this and that i'm like yeah yeah sure but like can you tell me any other president of brazil you know what i mean like can you name like who who brazil <laughs> right. is neighboring with it's like no we're just repeating it's i think there's a very convenient consumption in America, like you just consume information and you repeat it. I think about like sure. the big, the big Lebowski. You know, like one of my favorite things of that movie is like he's always learning words throughout and using them. You know, like yeah, someone right, will say yeah. like a hard word and he'll use it later, and that's right. what I that to me epitomizes <laughs> America. It's like. You don't fully understand what you're saying, but you just want to say it, you know? And, sure. And it's very frustrating sometimes, when, especially now that we're in fucking World War Three. It's like, okay, you want to be an expert in Ukraine? Like, can you tell me what happened in the last 20 years in Ukraine? Like, because sure. I don't know if you know. Like, you just right. want to be like, yeah, America sucks and it's all our fault. I was like, okay, cool. Then that's all you have to say. Sorry. Right. I, I, yeah. I, I no, yeah. Really... You, you, the Ukrainian history is very fucking complicated. Yeah. I mean, it's everyone's... A, 
like world <laughs> history is complicated, but like it's it you can't and you can consume it in a tweet. You know what I mean? Like you can't read sure. like an infographic. And yeah, go, oh, right. I read right. six slides, so now I know exactly what's happening. It's like no, you didn't. Like go do some fucking work or shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like right. I just it's frustrating. You know, it happened like when Venezuela was going through like shit. It was like everyone's SOS Venezuela. Here's the thing. Oh, I, I'm so concerned and like and then two weeks later they don't give a shit. They don't really give a shit. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, no, that's no. very valid. It, it's what's the new hashtag? What yeah. am I supposed to care about? What are the optics yeah. of that? Yeah. Yeah. Which is not to say you shouldn't care, but like if it's about, like I said, convenience, like it's convenient caring and con- like it's the Amazon version of things. It's like, I'm gonna, <laughs> right. Like, uh, yeah. I'm going to do yeah, America it. America has mastered the convenience element of social yeah. justice. Yeah. Like I don't yeah, want to yeah. sit with my discomfort that like there's contradictions and like that you can like, you can be both like, agree with both sides and like i'm not i'm not advocating for like full-on centrism or whatever but like just look at yourself you know what i mean like don't assume that because you took the right side it's like the marvel shit it's like oh there's good guys and bad guys and that's it right and like no man like it's not it's not that way like it takes it's it's a lot more complex than you want it to be and and so it's easier for you to just see that like oh i read my my six slides so now i know who's right and who's wrong it's like but the regime is like thanos (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) i mean i I know i think it was jb you posted some shit like that. It's like, oh, like Ukraine is like fucking Palpatine. It's like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck right yeah, off, just man. complete like, brain rot. Uh, it's yeah. just totally it's fucking amazing. It's just disgusting. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, uh, where can people find you on social media? Keep up with your work, get your work, etc. Uh, sure. So, uh, Mike Centennial is dot com that's my website my instagram i don't i don't tweet i'm not on twitter but there is a twitter account with that name yeah if you want to buy a futile eight on my website and my store uh radiator comics also distributes it if you're in chicago you can go to quimby's and a few other places and yeah i think that's that's pretty much pretty much it look out for the next issue coming out soon hopefully and if you haven't gotten number eight, definitely get it. Incredible yeah. comic. The rest of them are great too, but number eight, man, I think that was the best. <laughs> They're okay. So also, also where it's to be at. fair, that, that's the one I have right now. So buy that one, please. <laughs> yeah, you've really yeah. set the bar for yourself with that one. Oh, Just, fuck, you know, man, don't say that. Yeah. Hopefully, I can. Yeah, hopefully, I can do it again. <laughs> We're waiting for the uh, next appearance of you on Netflix through this comic. So, All right, sure, oh sure, yeah. yeah, no, no, that's not. I don't think that's gonna happen again. Oh, that, was never never. that was never a fluke. That was a fluke. But thank you guys. I really appreciate y'all like like liking the comic. It really it means a lot. I appreciate it. I, I respect you both as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, thanks for coming do on, dude. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I won't. I won't. <laughs> thank you, dudes. Hell yeah. Well, Mike, uh, thanks for coming on. As always, uh, you know, it's great to talk to you. Hopefully, we'll catch up at a show sooner than later. I did confirm uh, that CZF is canceled this year. Yeah. Uh, they postponed it till next year. Yeah. So, I will not be seeing you there. But, um... <laughs> Maybe you know, maybe Columbus. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, maybe CXC. We'll see what's going on there. I'll be at Space. I don't know if you're doing that one. But I, I'll be I don't, there. Is there? Is it? Can you still? I don't. I don't. I didn't do it. I didn't apply or anything. I don't know if you can do it still. Can you? I don't know, man. If you can't, then if you want to come, just uh, table just with me up, and yeah. MS. No, yeah. That's true, yeah. <laughs> just show up, honestly. Yeah. Just show up, man. Uh, Somebody yeah. will let you table. Yeah. We will. For sure. Yeah, there you for go. Sure. Thanks. <laughs> All right, well, that does it for this episode of Gutter Boys. Again, thanks to Mike for uh, finally making it on the show. And as usual, stay gutter. (laughs) 